He walked in, and I'm sitting back in the back. I'm sitting way back in the back, and I'm polishing my guitar. Because I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be on the Conan show. Mm-hmm. This baby's got to shine. Yeah, you of know? course. <laughs> and he walks up to me, and he looks and down compared on to me. you, he's a giant. Yeah, he's a giant. Because you're a little Ed, and he's I'm giant sitting Conan. on the tall table, and he's looking down yeah, yeah. on me, and he's going, I wonder where that little Ed guy is at. I bet he's not going to even show up, you know. <laughs> and and I looked at him with this smirky smile, and I said to him, you know, I believe that Conan guy, he's not going to show up either. And we just burst out laughing with each other, and... And we just took it from there. It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Van All right, it is Car Con Carne, the world's only food podcast recorded in a car. Uh, it is my Mazda 3. I'm James Van Ostel, and in the front seat, sitting shotgun, a slide guitar monster, a, a Chicago blues treasure, little Ed Williams. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for uh, joining me for burgers and conversation. Well, this is, this is very interesting. <laughs> your first car interview. You never forget your first car interview. This is my first car interview. I'll, I'll never forget this. Someone who's been playing blues in Chicago, making music for many decades now. This is your first opportunity to talk in a car. Yes. Actually, I was looking for a limo. You know? <laughs> nope. That's, that's mean not, you'd be in the back seat that, or something. That's not, that's not me. <laughs> no, sir. So I, I got us food from the Dog Out in Bannockburn. Okay. You're, you're a burger fan. Yes. See, I one of the besides the fact I love you and your music, one of the reasons I wanted you to do this show, I get the sense just from your music that you're you love food. You yes, sing about food. Well, yes, I do. Well, I, I, I cook for my family, too. Uh, I barbecue in the summer, and sometimes I barbecue in the winter. What do you like to do, barbecue? Do you do, I, like, pork I, shoulder? I, I do ribs and uh-huh. uh, sausages and uh, pork steaks and stuff like that, you know. Uh, usually I have a backyard full when I start barbecuing. My, my family the whole neighborhood, over. the family? Yeah, I, I usually barbecue... 16, 17 slabs. Oh, you you, you don't mess around. You <laughs> yeah. do this for real. Yeah. So I got, we can break out the food. Uh, you got a burger from the dog. I hope this food is good because the people who are in there, the people running the joint, mm-hmm. super nice. Okay. Super friendly. So I, I want the food to be good. Okay. Uh, are you a fry guy? I got you some fries. Yeah, I like fries. I hope they're still warm. If they're not, okay. understand my... That's, uh, that's all good. My heart was in the right place. Mm-hmm. Cheeseburger, grilled onions, and ketchup. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. You must have been talking to my wife. <laughs> I think, oh, wait, no, this is, wait, one's, oh, this is mine. This is the Polish. Okay. Right on. So, we little food. I love Polish's, too. Uh, so, let's talk a little bit more about food. Okay. You're the guy who gave us chicken gravy and biscuits. Mm-hmm. Ice-cold meatloaf. Mm-hmm. Um, you I say my meatloaf. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't like going out for fast food? You can have prime steak at home. Right. <laughs> and you got it covered. The way to the way to little Ed's heart clearly is his stomach. Yeah, and uh, little Ed's home cooking. That's that's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got a couple shows coming up. If you're listening to this podcast and you're listening in Decemberish, uh, you've got two shows at Blues, and then on a Friday night, Friday January twentieth, mm-hmm. you're back opening up for Buddy at his right. place. Right. Those are always ridiculous shows. Well. It gets a little crazy at that time because 
when Buddy's there, everything's got to be tight. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the the fans is swarming in and. Oh, and they line up early. Yeah, they. I mean, they're. It doesn't matter. This buddy does this every January. <laughs> it is cold outside, <laughs> and they're waiting early just to get close. I don't know. Although, here's the secret: a lot of them don't know. It doesn't matter where you are in the house. Buddy will come to you. Mm-hmm. He walks the room. Yeah, yeah. Which is still the coolest thing. And now, of mm-hmm. course, in the modern day, when Buddy does that, everyone has their cell phone out. It's just like a sea of like yeah. Samsung Galaxy and iPhone. They do me the same way. <laughs> So, so everything has to be tight. I mean, is there anything different you plan for a, a more, I guess you'd call it a high-profile gig? Like, do, do you plan differently for a blues show than you do for a legend show? No. I pretty much go to flow the way I, the way the, the, the crowd goes and the way the field is. Mm-hmm. I never plan for a show because if I plan for a show, I won't do nothing that I plan. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of the blues, isn't it? You, you can take it in whatever direction feels right. Right. You're not restricted. You're not a big touring carnival act. It's, it's the blues. This it's is as blues. real as it gets, right? Right. You just go in and play. And you, you know, you, you read the people. You read your fans. Because they'll, they'll let you know what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the way I go about it. I used to try a song list. and Oh, you don't even come up with a set list to work off of. You just... No, I used to try that, and every time I tried it, I never did anything I put on it. So I'd start off doing the first song, and then I'd wind up just closing and just not even looking at it. And your band, I mean, you've been playing with the Blues Imperials forever, so I mean, I'm sure you guys are tight enough that about you follow each other's lead, and you're about they're 30, good whatever direction you want to go. About 38 years now, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most relationships don't last five years. Mm-mm. And bands, as you know, bands can be tricky. Personalities, egos. You well, guys are basically family at this point. Yep, we are family now. And you have to... One thing my uncle J.B. Huddle told me... The great? Years ago. Uh, that, you know, first of all, I'll know it when I got to write numbers. Mm-hmm. And... When I do know this, when I do feel this in my heart, you know, make sure I treat them right, and and most of all, have a great understanding with them. And I didn't know what he meant when he first told me that. Sure. And I thought, understanding, what is that? What is he talking about? Well, I found out later on in the years, you know, you have to listen to your band members. You have to actually listen to them. You know, it's... You get that little sense of ego when you when you when you realize that you're the boss and you're the man. Yeah, it's your name that comes before the man. Right. And you get a little sense of ego going there. And I didn't know that that he was that's what he was saying to me. Watch your egoistics cause mm-hmm. you can lose good memories like that, you know. And then I I I looked at a lot of the you know, the really, some of the older guys that was around me at the time, mm-hmm. around JB and them, they had that egoistic, but JB never had it. Do you remember, as a, a much younger man, as a kid, mm-hmm. going to see some of the legends who've long since passed, 
What are some of your memories of seeing these artists who built this foundation? Hmm. Like, like let's say James Cotton or in Muddy Waters. Mm-hmm. I have a highly respect, a highly respect for those guys. Because I learned that they played from the heart and they played with feeling and, and happiness. And, you know, even though they were grieving, a lot of those guys were grieving from the older, older days. Yeah. You know, uh, well, Muddy didn't not, didn't have an easy life before he made it to Chicago. <laughs> that, that was not right. not a glamorous existence. Right, and you can you know those guys. A lot of them come up singing in the fields. Yeah. So to well, look isn't at those it crazy guys, to think we're not that far removed from that. I mean, within the past one hundred years. Well, it's it's different though. You know it's. It's modernized, though. It's not, you know, we don't have to be worried about uh, what we hear from our ancestors getting hit with a whip and all that stuff. And, you know, you look at pictures like Roots and, and you think to yourself, dang, man, I'm glad I wasn't back there. For real. You know? <laughs> For real. But in some sense, I think all musicians just getting getting a whip every once in a while. Not just the blacks, the whites too. Because in this business, you have to be happy. You have to be sincere in what you do. Because if you don't, it'll backfire on you. you know? I completely agree with that. Yes. <laughs> what do you think, um, Rolling Stones, as we're recording this last week, Mm-hmm. You know, this is a band that built its foundation on the blues. The Rolling Stones would not exist without the blues. Right. Uh, they just went back to the blues, uh, an album of Chicago blues covers. Mm-hmm. I've got to think that's helpful. Mm-hmm. I, 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 the more high-profile people there are talking about singing, championing the blues, the better everything gets. It brings the blues up a step. Mm-hmm. You know, when those older guys were still hanging around muddy waters and and James Cotton, all those guys, uh, you know, uh, John Lee Hooker, and uh, those cats, you know, uh, the blues was like up, you know, it was up. Mm-hmm. Because those cats made it there. They they made it there. And then they slowly started to leaving us, and then the blues started dropping. When I first started this business, I could feel a, a club without even blinking an eye, you know. But so, n- now, you know, hey, with, what were the clubs back then? Was it checkerboard? Was it? Well, I was when I first when I got with Alligator. See, I played a lot of West Side clubs. I played Pontianos, Duke Showplace, and when I first started that, there wasn't. I mean, there were. A lot of people in there, but there wasn't a lot of big money involved mm-hmm. until I got with Alligator. Right. Then I started to go in places like New York and and uh, Boston, Massachusetts, where JB had played a lot. See, uh, uh, I think Bruce knew that JB had a big following. Bruce from Alligator. Yeah, in in Boston, Massachusetts, and that was a a fun place for me. 
because people re- remind re- remember JB uh, when I came to town. So that was a really good uh, place. But I, even all you know, all the places that I played at, they were they were packed. You know, you know, you go to New York now, and you go in a place, and you, there might be ten people in there. That's uh, that's the Little Ed <laughs> Empty House tour. Yeah, yeah. But now, when I first started in New York, I mean, we were doing we were doing uh, clubs where people were standing outside waiting to get in. You know. So, so what needs to happen? And th- this is a question you can't have an answer to, but I, it's something that bugs me, especially you know here in Chicago. We talk about the blues. We give lip service to the blues. Mm-hmm. What needs to happen to bring it back to? The days of, hey, Little Ed's playing here. Well, Fact. you got a lot of different laws now. You got the smoking law. You got the drinking law. <coughs> that stops a lot of reason. With people, reason people were going out there and they could have fun. When I was coming up, my uncles and stuff. If the police stopped them, they would just bring them home. <laughs> you know. And tell them get your butt. You know they wouldn't say butt, but get in the house and don't come out until daylight. Yeah. You know? And we all know each other. You know, Officer yeah. Jake and and Officer John and you know those cats. They catch me out at seventeen or eight, seventeen or sixteen, seventeen. They catch me out if it was after curfew. They'd be like, "What are you doing?" Get in here, and they would take me straight home. Pulling you by the ear. Right, <laughs> right. And then, you know, you know, and they would always say to my my aunt or my mom, oh, don't be too hard on him, you know. They just want to be out for a little longer, you know. And although my mom would still slap me upside the head when I got <laughs> in the house, but, you know, back then it was a, it was a sense of people stuck with each other. They stuck together. There wasn't... The neighborhood stuck together. You know, if 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 you if if you did something wrong, you know, your, your neighbor would come tell your mom or your yeah. or tell your uncle, and your uncle would go tell your mom. Everybody would tell everybody. So it'd be all across town what you That's did. Right. You know, and then here you got all these other relatives coming up going, what is the matter with you? You know, <laughs> you got seven, you got your uncle, you got your aunt, you got your mom, you got your grandma. Everybody's coming up saying, is you going crazy? <laughs> you know, but, you know, uh, now it's totally different. You know, they got a law. You you can't spank your kids. You can't drink over the limit. You can't. You can't. No smoking no more. Because I remember when I'd go in bars, you couldn't see the stage. Which creates a vibe. <laughs> From, I, I don't smoke. I hate cigarette smoke. Yeah. But I get it. Like, the the idea of a smoky blues club. Yeah. I mean, like, smoky almost has to go in front of blues club. Right. It was, it, was, it was the thing that people were having fun and they was drowning their sorrows and nobody cared about nothing. They was just there to have a good time. Yeah, I went to some of the shows with JB, and we'd walk in the place, and you couldn't see the stage for the smoke, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we'd help JB load up and set up his stuff. And after a while, JB would get up and start playing, and the people just went nuts. But and 
I mean, after that, they were falling out of the club. They wasn't walking out. They were <laughs> literally rolling on the ground, you know. They were practically liquid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but they would have, even even the ones that was mostly drunk could get in their car and ride home, you <laughs> know. Yeah. And and then they, you know, people wouldn't have to worry about jumping up after the first set and running out to the club to take a puff and then get back to the... It's a weird feeling when you got a crowd of people in the club and then all, you finish the first set and go, okay, we'll be right back. And all of a sudden, the whole club gets up and go out. Yeah. And you're like, what did I do? What did I yeah. say? You know? <laughs> I thought we had something good going here. Yeah. We're not done. So it's... It's such a different world now, you know. It's such a different world. And then you got the youngsters. They trying to take it to a whole different level. You know, you got those you got those semi-opera singers that uh, start saying, oh, uh-huh. and just keep it going and going and going. But you can't put, it, put that in the blues. Nope. You know? Nope. You know, uh, there are a few, there are a few uh, lady blues singers that I've, Notice does that, and I think to myself, why? You know, Coco was a true lady blues singer. You know, she didn't, she didn't do the echoey thing. She just played. She just sung. Well, she from had her that heart. big voice. Well, she from, sung from her heart, and that's what a lot of us, a lot of the new uh, blues singers, I think. And I hear a lot of singers, and I'm not down on them, but it's just so different. Yeah. You know, so you were back on Conan mm-hmm. last month. Conan O'Brien loves you. You have this long history together. I mean, Conan, me and Conan, we kicked it off the minute we met. Because he's, I mean, he's a guitar freak. He, lo- if you could play the guitar well, he's your fan for life. I was at Blues Bar on Halsted. That's where we did the first skid, and he walked in. And I'm sitting back in the back. I'm sitting way back in the back, and I'm polishing my guitar. Because I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be on the Conan show. Mm-hmm. This baby's got to shine. Yeah, you of know? course. <laughs> and he walks up to me, and he looks and down compared on Compared to you, he's a giant. Yeah, he's a giant. Because you're little Ed, and he's I'm giant I'm sitting Conan. on the tall table, and he's looking down yeah, yeah. on me, and he's going, I wonder where that little Ed guy is at. I bet he's not going to even show up, you know. <laughs> and, and I looked at him with this smirky smile, and I said to him, you know, I believe that Conan guy, he's not going to show up either. And we just burst out laughing with each other. And, and we just took it from there. It was just That's awesome. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> That's so super cool. <laughs> Going back to the Blues Imperials, talking about family. Yeah. Um, we're recording this a couple weeks before the Christmas holiday. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have like a secret Santa exchange with the with the guys in the band? Do you have them over? Do you you do a rib standing rib roast for the no, Blues Imperials? No, I just, I just give them a little bonus if I can, you know, uh, or buy them a present. You know, we're, we're so much like family now till, you know, me, we went, we did the blue, we did the blues cruise and me and my rhythm player and my wife and his old, his wife, and we were all out, you know, going to get ready to play. And we was on the island and he walks up and he hands me a package, my rhythm player. And I goes, what is this? And he goes, well, I, I was shopping around and I seen this and I thought about you. So it was a cross, cause he knew I love crosses. So he bought me that, which in turn, you know, I turned around. Me and my wife was out on another island, 
and I seen a T-shirt. It says, I love my brother. And I bought that for him. That's cool. <laughs> you know, and he's like, oh, you didn't have to do it. I'm like, well, you didn't have to get me across, but you got it because you know I love that, you know. So it's it's family now. It, it used when I first started playing with my guys. I thought, oh man, you know, because I was listening to a lot of the Westsiders, <laughs> and uh, it was like, oh, I'm the man, I'm the guy, you know, my guys better do what I say, and mm-hmm. you know, and I started to try to feel that attitude. I started thinking, man, yeah, this, that's these guys are right. I'm the guy, you know. But it ain't like that, you know. And then, then I started thinking about the JB thing, and I thought, well, he didn't say he was. I never heard JB say it. Well, you know, I'm the boss, you know. Right. You know, I remember, I remember years ago, uh, me and, and Pookie, which is my baby brother, it's my bass player, James Young. We were, we were over JB's house, and he was rehearsing. And I think it was Lee Jackson. Not not Lee Jackson. Was that Lee Jackson? I think it was Lee Jackson. And uh, uh, Bombay Carter. And I forgot who. Oh, uh, uh, was on drums. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but I know him. Anyway, they were sitting, Bombay and Lee, they were sitting talking because JB had just did this uh Slide, slide one or slide slinger, one of them. Mm-hmm. And they were sitting in the living room. They had no idea that me and Pookie was JB's nephews. Got it. So they sit in oh, there. No. And they, no, no. <laughs> talking. <coughs> well, I don't know why the band has got to be called JB Huddle and the Hulks, you know. <laughs> and they sit there talking in this. And you know, me and Pookie just kind of just kind of like sitting there looking at them, you uh-huh. know. And they're sitting on this side of the living room. We sitting over there, and we're kind of like sitting there looking at them. <laughs> and and they and then uh, Lee Jackson said, "What are you fellas? What do you fellas come to?" And we were, <laughs> we're like, "Well, JP is our uncle." <laughs> and the eyes got oh, like I'm that because sure. they <laughs> sitting there talking about JP. Oh my gosh! And, and they knew we was gonna tell him. Of course. And we went and told him. We did. And you know what he said? He said, well, God bless them. They'll figure it out one day. You know, and that's all he said. What a mature way to look at that situation. He didn't say nothing to them at all. So meanwhile, those guys were probably sweating it for (laughs) at least a couple weeks, waiting for the talk. I'm pretty sure they were waiting for JB to say, okay, you guys are done. Yeah. Best of luck. Yeah. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah. So we're in Chicago. I can find some other guys. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, man, he's not gonna say anything to these guys. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't, and it wasn't because he he was afraid to, or he thought he was thinking that you know if I, if I lose these guys or you know, I think it was just because the kindness that he had in his heart. You know, he was like, well, if that's what he thinks, that's okay. You know, because wow. he, he let them, he's, he's, he let them leave, you know. He didn't fire nobody. He just let them leave. He's, you know, he said, to, I guess he said, you know, if they wants to go, that's up to them. Wow. You know. Let's talk a little bit about the new album, or the newish album. Uh, yeah. The Big Sound of Little Ed and the Blues Imperials. Okay. <laughs> Zero in on a couple songs. 
Uh, it's raining in Paris. Mm-hmm. Is this a, a story of touring woes? Well, my wife wrote that song. Oh, so woes about you being on the road? No, it her- was. We were over. Remember in Paris when he was having all that trouble over? Yeah, there? yeah. We were there. Oh man. Yeah, we was like, we, where they was having the problems at was like right here, and we was like the next city over. It's frightening. It was scary. It was scary because when we got to the hotel, the, the people that had hired us, they kind of just dumped us in the hotel. <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll be back at six, 6 o'clock tomorrow to pick you because we was off. <laughs> Stay. Stay there. Au revoir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll be back. Don't, give, don't go out. You know. The room service is lovely. It's <laughs> très magnifique. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we kept looking at the news and we kept hearing seeing the fighting and and so that comes from my wife. Interesting. And I don't know why she, how did she pick up those words, but when we got back home, she handed me the paper and said, this this is a song I wrote. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. It's raining in Paris. But I, I didn't really think about that until she actually told me she got the idea from all the probably stuff that was happening over there at the time. Well, that's a great, it's a great song. Yeah. And going back to the idea that you love to barbecue and it brings all the neighbors to your yard. <laughs> um, I like my hot sauce cold. Yeah. We, we learned that you do like your barbecue warm. Yeah, do, I do. do you go out for barbecue at all or do you think, ah, I can do this better at home? I'm not Every going once in a while. Do you have a place? I have, I go to Friday's. To Friday, really? For mm-hmm. barbecue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty good Get barbecue. out of here. Yeah. yeah okay. Good barbecue there. I'm not fond of the sauce, but the barbecue is really good. See, I think the key it's with terrible. barbecue, never the restaurant should never put the sauce on the meat first. You should add it. Cause, no, because well, if you don't like the sauce, it can ruin the meat. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta make the sauce. See, I agree. It's not that see, hard. I make my own sauce. Get the molasses. Get the ketchup. <laughs> yeah, get that I make going. Make my own sauce, and I I always have different sauces. I have a peach sauce peach Ooh, with the like sauce. peach preserves, or do you? Yeah. I use peach preserves. I use apple. I use cherries. I, you know, sometimes, sometimes I mix a few of them together, you know, and then make my sauce. You know. And I've made barbecue sauce a few times. And I, <laughs> whenever I do, I'm standing over the stove. <laughs> yeah. And I keep testing it, mm-hmm. and it, it's almost like I'm eating a soup. Like before, I can even serve it. I've mm-hmm. probably had ten spoonfuls of it. Mm-hmm. You gotta test it. And when you get that certain taste, taste. It's just just right. It's the best. Then you know it's right. And then you want to use it with everything. <laughs> French fries, I'm going to dip yeah. them in the sauce. <laughs> Got a ham sandwich, I'm going to use some barbecue sauce. Whatever yeah. you can find. Yeah. Um, I'm done. Now, th- this sounds like the song uh, on the new album that will get everybody on the floor, even though they're already on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, does this qualify as, as jump, sti- stylistically? This is jump. Yeah, this is jump. So Definitely. explain what that is. Like I'm th- done? That style. Oh, jump? Yeah. That's the old days, you know. You know, I I, I I got that idea about listening to Lewis Jordan. The great Lewis Jordan? Right. And I do listen to him a lot because I like all his stuff. I can listen to Caledonia and repeat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like all his stuff. And and I was listening to his music one day, and I thought, man, should I sing one of his songs or should I 
try to make something close to that. And I, that's what I did with that. I'm I love that song. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. Yeah. Um, and, and that brings me to the bigger point. Little Ed and the Blues Imperials are fun. Hey, I'm sure you've discussed this, you know, ad nauseum, but you know, the blues have a reputation of being dark and somber. And Little Ed brings the party. Well, that's another thing that I wanted to do. You know, because every time I would... Uh, say to my friends when I was younger, they said, let's go play some music because there were musicians all around. Oh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. There were musicians all around in my neighborhood. But back then, it was the Temptations and the Shy Lights and Johnny Taylor and uh, I think Bobby Bland was somewhere around there. And I, think, I know B.B. King was in there. But people were shooting, the black neighborhood was shooting towards Soul, Motown. Mm-hmm. And if you wasn't doing the Temptations out there doing the step and the shuffle, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> you really wasn't hitting on nothing, right. you know. <laughs> so there was a few around the neighborhood that actually would play a little blues every once in a while. And uh, uh, one guy was named Rico McFarlane. He's a guitar player too. You don't hear? I don't know if you heard about it, but he's 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 out there now. And he was one of the top, he was one of the top guitar players on the block. He could play anything, you know. And he would call me, his brother, his brother named, they called him Lumpy. He was a drummer. The first drummer I ever seen besides Albert Collins' drummer who had like 19 drums, mm-hmm. you know. He was the first one that I ever saw, you know. He had all these cymbals and all these drums and I thought, this guy's cool, man. Did he, a, did he have a gong? I don't know if no, nah, I don't know if he had the gong. That would cymbal. have been impressive. <laughs> but I know he had all these cymbals and he had all these drums and he would go down. He was drumming for his brother, Rico. And we get down there and first thing Rico would say, Oh yeah, we're gonna do the shy lights, we're gonna do the temps. And Rico only knew six, seven songs. <laughs> That's all he knew. So he, 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 I'd go down there and play with him, and I would rehearse with him because he, he could get gigs for some reason or another, and I couldn't at the time. So he'd get these little gigs. He said, I want you to rhythm for me. All I want you to do is just straight rhythm, nothing else. I said, okay, no problem. So he'd show me these little chords I had to play, you know. And uh, we get in the club, and, and he'd play his seven songs. And he'd run out of songs. <laughs> so he'd say, Ed, okay, uh, why don't you play something? I'm going to go check something out. That's he was, right. <laughs> he was going to check and see if he could figure out some more songs, you know. So I'd get up, and his brother Lumpy was crazy about me for some reason or another. I have no idea. But he loved it, the blues. So I'd get up, and, uh, and, and my brother Pookie was with us, too. And I look at Puka and I said, well, you know what we're going to do? He said, yeah, we're going to do some blues. And I'd cut out with an M.O. James tune or something. And the people would go crazy. Sure. And and Rico would come back. He'd run back in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, back in the club and he'd go, Ed, you're fired, man. <laughs> he would fire me that same night. That's now, unreal. Now, 
I'd get ready. I, I never did pack up my stuff because you know why? I know he was going to come back and get me. Mm-hmm. So I, I go, okay, well, I'm going to wait out in the car. And uh, when you when when you get done, call me. And I'd, by, by the time I'd get out the door, he'd come, come on, man, come on back in. You know I need you. <laughs> That's so passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing it was, was every time I would say, okay, y'all, let's play some blues. When I'd be rehearsing with them, they oh, man, you're going to play that crying music. We're going to be crying, and ain't nobody going to be feeling good. And then I'd start playing it, and Lumpy would join in with me and Pookie, and everybody would be dancing. You know. So, uh... <laughs> that's the way it was back then. I love it. You know? <laughs> Another song on the new album, um, Whiskey Flavored Tears. Mm. Now, here's a classic blues scenario. Woman with a backdoor man. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, other than a train, I mean, that, that's about as legendary a blues concept as you can find is the backdoor man. Yeah. Whiskey flavored tears are, are generated. My mother in law, before she passed, she woke up one morning. We all sitting in the kitchen eating breakfast. And she looked at me and she said, I dreamt that you wrote a song called Whiskey Flavored Tears. How long ago was this? This was, she's been gone now a few months now, almost almost a year, I think. No, not quite a year yet. But she said that in every morning, she would get up, she'd say, don't forget that song, Whiskey Flavored Tears. Oh, that's great. And, and I start, I started to, thinking about it and I thought man that, that'd be a good song it's a great title so I started to I started working on it and before she had before she passed I had already written that's fantastic yeah and I I, I, I made the CD out and I gave, uh, let her listen to it and she said that's the one that's she said, that's the one that, she that's said, a great story she said that's the one gonna win me a Grammy I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping too <laughs> How is that burger, by the way? Mm. You liking it? Where's it go? My Polish fries was delicious. Yeah, I couldn't help that. There are <laughs> icicles in your uh, French fries. Um, all right, looking back, Ed, mm-hmm. if you could coach the little Ed who's just kind of making his way in the world, what advice would you give to the younger little Ed? Well, I'd give him the same advice JB gave me. Uh, number one, I'll be kind. To you, the first, the first order is always be happy. Never be sad because sadness will take your joy. And you, you hit a low for a while too. I mean, yeah, I did. And uh, uh, I'm not ashamed to say it. You know, I was, uh, I had a little drug problem here for a while. Uh, when I first started to plan. You, you, things happen so fast <coughs> when you first start. When you first get out into this business, things is good, and it, it happens really quickly. Because one thing about your fans, and I'm not blaming them, but one thing about your fans and your uh, people, if they see you, if they enjoying what you do, and they can figure out a way to make you do it even stronger. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, yeah. they'll introduce you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and I, I feel like that's a story that's played itself out across every music yeah. genre. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Tell you the truth. Are you done? Yeah. Okay. Oh. oh yeah, I eat quick. It's easier to interview that way. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I tell you what, I might eat some more of that burger when I take that in the house with me. Excellent. Oh. I was blessed. Because I had I hadn't went I had went down. I was pretty low. And I know I was blessed because uh, God gave me a second chance of life. Because there was one one point I looked in the mirror, I bet you I was weighing 98 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that's okay. Because sometimes we have to go through things in order to realize our blessings. And you, you seem like you couldn't be happier at this stage of life. Oh, no. You know what? I remember, I, I am a Christian man, and I don't read the Bible like most people do, and I don't uh, study it like most people do, which I am. Uh, me and my wife just found another church to go to, which is good because the one we were going to, they closed down. I know. But I learned that uh, in, my, in my line of work, Always good to have an angel on the show. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I believe that's true. <laughs> yeah. So now, you know, in saying that, you know, I asked my Savior for three things. A good wife, a home to live in, and sense to make my way through. And do you see what I got? I'm not I'm not hungry. You know. <laughs> You know, you're doing all right. You know, and it's good to be a little led. It's good to be. It's good to have. You know, we all want. You know, everybody, in some sense, wants to be a millionaire or wish they had all the money in the world. But I never wish that, because JB told me he said once you start this business, you ain't gonna get rich. <laughs> he said don't even think about it. <laughs> he said you you gonna make you gonna be able to support your family and live decently and said if you ain't satisfied with that then you need to get out of this business for real <laughs> yeah <laughs> right, someone's coming towards us that's my brother now and uh i'm happy and and what i would say to you to the new the younger little head is be happy always have trust in god Take care of your band members because they're the ones that's going to pull you through. Be especially, especially good to your fans because they're the ones that put your bread on the table. Yeah. Little Ed, uh, you're a remarkable <laughs> human being. Tremendous talent, guitar player. I'm going to drive a little bit here. Okay. Get out of the way. Yeah. I think this is why good. I don't drive with the uh, mic on the steering wheel. <laughs> Okay. That's good, right there. Yeah, right there. <laughs> um, all right, so blues in January, and then uh, Buddy Guys Legends, and you're always playing in town. Yeah, I, I play in town a lot during the winter because I'm traveling. I'm going out of town. Uh, no, you're good. Yeah, all right. Yeah, he's he can make it. 
uh, uh, I, I I go out of town in the summer so I can survive through right. the winter. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm like a I'm like a bear. <laughs> I go out of town and work in the summer hard as I can work, and then I hibernate in the winter. That sounds like the Chicago <laughs> way, for real. <laughs> Well, I thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming. And this is the best interview I've ever had. In a nice warm car, eating a good hamburger. Right? This is how it should be done. That's what I'm telling everybody. And it's nice and quiet and peaceful. It's almost soundproof. Well, you don't hear a lot of ruckabush around, and yeah. you don't hear a lot of people in the background talking. And it's, I'm pretty sure you can pick up really easy in here. Absolutely. This is cool. 